Hey everyone, this is Chris Shelton, the Critical Thinker at Large, bringing you Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos or have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton at gmail.com. I wanted to put a quick plug in, as I sometimes do for my podcast. Uh, this week it is not Scientology related, but I feel it's actually a way more important topic uh, to the broad discourse of what's going on right now, which is uh, it has to do with uh, facts and information and an interview with a person about the subject of refugees. And uh, this and immigration and illegal immigrants are huge hot topic items right now in the news and with the current administration. And unfortunately, there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of false information flying around on media and out of politicians' mouths about the subject. So I thought I'd try to do my part to bring some truth and honesty and real information about that topic to the discourse. And so that's out there. And maybe some of you guys don't think I'm somebody who should or is an authority to be talking about that kind of thing. But really, all I'm doing is offering some perspective and, in this case, an interview with somebody who actually does know what he's talking about. So anyway, I'm just going to plug my podcast because I want more of y'all to watch it and see what's what I'm providing as far as that goes. Uh, now, this is episode number 99, which means next week is the uh, promised live show. And I'm a little nervous about it because I've never done a live show on YouTube. I know a lot of people who have, YouTube creators and stuff. And so I'll figure it out and I'll get this thing set up. And right now it's scheduled for... Uh, 9 a.m. next Sunday, and that's 9 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. I live in Denver, Colorado, so that's 9 a.m. my time, okay? So, um, so, so go ahead and set your calendar or your watch or whatever for that. That's when I plan on going live, and I will have some questions prepped, uh, so, you know, I don't know how many people are going to show up. You know, when I did a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything, I was kind of prepared for nobody to really show up, and I ended up spending four hours just like pounding out answers uh, before I finally was like, okay, I'm done. I, I, I got to stop. Um, I'm not going to do four hours on this Q&A episode. This is going to be, you know, at most an hour um, and probably less, right? But, you know, depending on how many people show up and whatnot, we'll see how this goes. So that'll be, that's what I'm doing for my special 100th episode. I, you know, really am... Uh, so happy that this has gone on for as long as it has, and no shortage of questions from you guys, uh, Scientology and otherwise. So now let's go ahead and get into your questions. Phoenix2879. My father and his brothers were very familiar with Scientology. Even though they didn't belong to the org, they studied it for years. My father passed away last week. Because of my work, it was impossible for me to attend the funeral and the cremation. I spoke with his brothers by telephone, and they accused me of being ungrateful, having abandoned my father and let him die. They asked me questions, what's your game, what's your reality, what's your ethic, that I didn't understand, but I know they belong to the cult's jargon. Besides the pain for the loss, at the same time, I have to face a family that accuses me of indolence, and from what I see, they have undertaken a sort of revenge against me. My question is, how to defend myself from a family indoctrinated by Scientology? All right, talking to Scientologists and how to go about doing that, not in order to convince them that what they believe or think is, is wrong or illogical but, or misguided, but simply how to talk to them at all. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about this. Now, 
One thing Scientologists um, are trained in with communication, that, you know, there's, we've, we've talked about the communications course and people know about sitting and doing these TRs, these training routines or drills that Scientologists do on communication where they sit and stare at each other for hours and stuff. But there are other parts to that that can help you in talking to Scientologists, okay? One of those uh, points is acknowledgements. Um, acknowledging people's communication for Scientologists is very, very important. This is something they're trained in with those TRs. It's uh, TR0 is the sitting and staring. TR1 is delivering a communication to somebody. And TR2 is acknowledging somebody's communication, right? So if I say to you, uh, you know, the, the sky is blue, a Scientologist will expect, if they're saying that to you, they will expect an acknowledgement back to that communication. This is, and I'm stressing this because for Scientologists, it's really important. So if you say, if the Scientologist says to you, the sky is blue, you know, it's good for you to respond with, okay, wow, or, or you know, thanks, or I got it, or something to indicate that you heard, you know, you, you got their communication and you've heard and understand it. Um, and when Scientologists are upset, the acknowledgement becomes super important because this is, that's, that's the way that they will get that you are listening to them and that you understand what they're saying and that you care about what they're saying. So, you know, if, now I'm not sure, you know, all I have is your question to work on. You know, your uncles were, you know, interrogating you over the phone, it sounds like, and giving, when it sounded like they were quite upset. So the first thing to do with a Scientologist, and, and you know, maybe some of what I'm talking about here has broader application, but I'm, but I'm focusing my answer here on how you deal with Scientologists because this is what they want from you, okay? When they're upset about something, first off, the first thing they want is they want to know you heard them. So if they, you know, say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, you're indolent and you're this and you're that, and you just have to stand there. The best way to deal with this is not to respond emotionally, not to respond with, a, with negativity, but to listen to what they're saying and just sort of like put your emotions in check and say, you know, wow, I really got that. Or, geez, I had no idea you were so upset. And when you say things like that to a Scientologist, they immediately respond with, okay, wow, this person's actually listening to me. This person's actually getting what I'm saying. And it kind of shuts down some of the anger and antagonism that you'll receive from them. A um, little bit goes a long way with that, right? And you got to do it naturally, okay? You can't be fake about it or, you know, something like that. You have to be, like, honest. You got to really listen to what they're saying. And it sounds like for whatever reason, good, bad, right, wrong, I'm not here to make judgments about you or your uncles. Um, but they've got some problem with you, right? So if you want to use communication to sort that problem out, then you got to let them get everything off their chest about whatever it is that they got a problem with, right? And now they're asking you accusative type questions. So first you just go, okay, what's the problem? What did I do? Or what do you think I did? Or what is it that you think, you know, happened, right? Tell me everything that's on your mind and let them go, you know, let them vent, right? And then go, wow, I get it. That's, wow, you know? And if they said anything that you can acknowledge as to how you might have been in the wrong, okay, uh, you know, you, 
are a horrible son and you uh, never called your dad and you, um, you know, one time you, you didn't give him a Christmas present or something. I mean, I'm just, again, I'm just making shit up here. But if that was true, if the only thing out of all of that that was true was that you didn't give him a Christmas present one year, your answer to that would be, yeah, you're right. I really should have gotten him that Christmas present that year, and I'm and I'm and now that he's gone, I'm really upset that I didn't do that. Right. So acknowledge again anything they're saying that is true or is right. Get that out of the way by acknowledging it. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was bad. Then with the other stuff, they'll simmer down a bit <laughs> if you keep doing this. They'll simmer down a bit, and then you can start having a bit more of a rational discourse with them. And finding out where are they getting these ideas that you're a horrible son or a horrible person. And you can then start dealing with that by returning some communication. And in fact, if they just keep, you know, at you and this doesn't seem to be working, then at one point you can say, you know, you can kind of pipe in or somehow get a word in edgewise and you can just say, Look, I've listened to everything you've said, but you're not listening to me. Can we have a two-way communication? That's a again, that's a key, it's another Scientology communications course term, right? As a two-way communication. So if you say something like that, that'll kind of trigger, oh yeah, communication is supposed to go both ways in Scientology, right? Scientologists have a, a, a book called Dynamics 55 um, by L. Ron Hubbard where he says in the book, there's a chapter called Communication, and Hubbard says any problem can be resolved with communication alone, and two-way communication is the way to do it. Okay, now that's not an exact quote, but that's the idea. So, you know, one person says something, the other person acknowledges them. Then the other person says something, and the first person acknowledges them, and this goes back and forth. Now, I'm talking about how Scientologists expect communication to go. I'm not answering this question. Again, I'm just going to reiterate this. I'm not saying you have everybody should do this in order to resolve all their problems with communication, okay? I'm just talking about how to talk to Scientologists. So I hope that information helps you. If not, let me know. You know, ask me some more questions or something or email me at askchrisshelton at uh, gmail.com and I'll see what else I can do to answer this for you. But I thought... I thought in answering this in, in, a, in a public way like this might give a little bit more insight into uh, that communication stuff that people ask me about all the time and the Scientology mindset in regards to resolving um, difficulties that people are having. So there you go. TJB Fan. Hi, Chris. I've just finished reading Counterfeit Dreams, Blown for Good, and Beyond Belief for the umpteenth time each. They are gripping stories. In BFG, Mark Headley tells of the time David Miscavige attacked him and he started to retaliate, but the group around DM swarmed about him and forced him outside to cool off. Is there anybody else who has stood up to DM? It is hard to imagine there is not even one person man enough to do this. Is DM so buff that he is like a small version of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is everybody actually physically afraid of him? I can only guess everyone is afraid of being offloaded, but why can't an offloadee stand firm and deny him that power? And you don't even mention my book. You know, some people. Just kidding. All right, so let's talk about the mindset of people who are around David Miscavige, who is likened to, by himself, uh, the Pope of Scientology, okay? But it's a good analogy to answer this question. Um, could you imagine that if the Pope 
in the Vatican, surrounded by, you know, the people who surround him. And this is from my understanding of, of the Pope, okay? I'm not a Catholic, so, I, you know, maybe I'm getting this wrong here, but it's just an, it's just an analogy. Um, but can you imagine the inner, the inner circle of, of the Vatican, right? Uh, you know, if the Pope went off the rails and started, you know, hitting somebody, could you imagine the other bishops, like, beating up on him? Like, the Pope, right? In other words, whether that analogy works or not, and I might get comments from Catholics about that analogy, my point is this. David Miscavige is not just another guy when it comes to Scientologists, and especially not to Sea Org members. He is the leader of Scientology. He is Scientology personified to those people. And that carries a weight and significance and duty to follow his orders and directions, to um, cater to his whims, to do what he says. David Miscavige also has a, a pin and a, and a card um, that he wears. Uh, you know, when, when Scientologists, when Sea Org members, sorry, go to those big events, they get up all dressed up in their naval uniforms and they have lots of braid and, you know, ribbons and stuff like this. And I've talked about those in the past. David Miscavige only wears one, okay, when he goes out and does his dress uniform thing. Um, and that pin that he wears signifies that L. Ron Hubbard, that he, he speaks for L. Ron Hubbard. That, that award he has is, is supposedly issued to him from L. Ron Hubbard and is supposed to indicate that anything he says or wants or does is L, is, might as well be L. Ron Hubbard talking. So that's the power and authority that David Miscavige has in that cloistered world. So, you know, you're, the, the way the question is worded, and I've, and I've gotten this lots of times from people, is they, is they think, they're, they're coming at this as though David Miscavige is just another guy. And he's not just another guy, right? It doesn't work that way. Um, you, you just, it, it never really even occurs to the people who are around him to strike him back or to, uh, you know, to, to, to retaliate in some fashion. Because by doing so, they would be striking back at their idea and concept of what Scientology is. And instead, because of a lot of indoctrination that occurs up to that point in the minds of Scientologists, they introvert, right? If they do something that causes David Miscavige's ire to be directed to them, they fully, totally believe that it's their fault. They're the ones who created that situation and pissed him off so much that he directed his you know, frustration and anger at them physically. And it's on them. And they think that. They don't have to be told that. Now, you get an instance like Mark Headley in, Blown, in the book Blown for Good where he says, you know, after years of this and after, you know, enough kind of like delayering of some of this indoctrination, he just got fed up with it. And anybody could, okay? I'm not saying that all of this mind control stuff is impenetrable or that people can't break out of it. And Mark Headley describes a time when he was like, I'm, I'm just sick of this shit. And he decided to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this guy on. But you saw from the book exactly what happened. Everybody else freaked the hell out, and he became the target. Nobody directed 
attention to David Miscavige and said, dude, what are you doing? It never even occurred to any of those people to do that. Mark Headley was going to, you know, come after Miscavige and he became the like, no, stop him. Right. So that is it's a mindset more than a physical problem. Now, uh, from what I understand, David Miscavige works out quite a bit and he is actually pretty, pretty buff and he has been his whole life. He's climber and he's always been you know physically uh, uh, scuba diver and stuff right he's he's always been very physically active so um, so I understand that he's actually a pretty strong guy also but that's not what keeps people <laughs> away from him right because he's a short little guy and I'm pretty sure most people could probably take him if they really wanted to um, so it's it, it's the mindset okay and I hope that I've gotten that across in my answer Clara Zeprand. For 30 years, I have gotten weekly or sometimes twice weekly mail from the Church of Scientology. I had tried one time decades ago to get off their mailing list and it only made them increase their mail madness. What is a safe, sane, effective, and final way to get off their mailing list? Is it even possible? Okay, this is a tough one. I mean, you know, and this is why you don't want to get on Scientology's mailing list because they are relentless at chasing you down, keeping, skip tracing your address, following you no matter where you go, because there's, you know, there's records through the post office and, and through databases and stuff, and they're very, very big right now and have been for the last 10 years on tracking down anybody and everybody who ever bought a book, did a service, anything like that. And their databases are a mess, by the way. Um, you know, when I was doing recovery work, I went knocking door to door on people's houses out in uh, the Twin Cities area. And I went and I had a, a name on a list of a guy who was supposedly highly trained as a, as a Scientology auditor and, was, and, and said he was clear. Well, I knocked on his door and the guy was just at the end of his rope. He said, God damn it, what are you coming out to my house for? All I did was buy a Dianetics book at a swap meet 10 years ago. And here you are knocking on my door. And I was like, wow, dude, I am so sorry, right? And I took his name off the list apologized profusely and, you know, was on my way because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> um, but Scientology, but that was what was in the records of Scientology is that this guy was not just a book buyer from 10 years ago. He was a trained and an audited person, right? That's how messed up their databases are. So anyway, I say that to just make that point. But as far as getting off their mailing lists, it is really damn near impossible. But here's some advice on how to go about doing it. One, you have to understand that there are, every church has their own central files, which is their own database of names of uh, people that have bought services from that church. So let's say that you're talking about the Church of Scientology of Twin Cities, okay? And let's say you're somehow on their list because you were in Minnesota one day and you bought the Dynetics book and now that you're on their list. Now, that name, your information, gets propagated upwards in the Scientology world. So it goes to a church of Scientology, a Sea Org org in Los Angeles called the American St. Hill Organization, or ASHO. It also gets propagated to FLAG, the FLAG service org in Clearwater, Florida. So instantly, or just about instantly, your name is in three different places in the world of Scientology. Now, and it also goes to the International Management Central Database of uh, all names, the Central Files International, okay? 
So now you're actually in four places, minimum. The second you buy a book or, the, or do a service or do anything where you give Scientology your information, you're in four different places very quickly. And you have to individually get off your name off the list of each one of those separately. So you can call Minnesota and you can say, take me off your list or I'm going to, oh, and by the way, when you do this, you have to threaten legal action. If, if, you, if you just tell them, you know, I'm fed up with you guys, I don't want you guys around, Xenu and, you know, the clear cognition and, and you start feeding Scientology secrets to them and stuff, that may or may not work. But per their own policies, per L. Ron, what Warren Hubbard said to do, your name doesn't come out of their central files until you threaten legal action. So... You call Minnesota, the Church of Scientology of Twin Cities, and you say, get me off your list or I'm going to get a lawyer and I'm going to sue your ass, right? And then they are supposed to, per their own policies, take you off their list. They have no excuse at that point to not take you off their list. But when they take you off your list, that information doesn't always propagate to the other four places. And if it does, it takes its own sweet time doing it. So... And, you know, this is this is not fun. It's not easy. I'm not saying that this is, a, you know, a good time or that this is good news for you. But you have to separately call all four of those places that your information is in order to get your name expunged from their list, which means you'd have to call ASHO. You'd have to call FLAG. And then you have to call the uh, International Management Headquarters, which is not the gold base, by the way. This is at the Hollywood Guarantee Building in Los Angeles, the HGB. So if you call them up, and I'm sorry, I don't have their phone number, but you know you can probably Google it. Uh, you call them up and you say, I want my name out of the Central Files International, the, the Int Central Files. Uh, or I'm going to call a lawyer, you know, and you threaten legal, okay? They should remove you from their lists, okay? And even after doing all of those things, that message that you leave with the receptionist, because that's as far as you're going to get in calling these organizations, you're not going to go all the way up the ladder to the executive director or something like that. You're never going to end up on the phone with David Miscavige. Um, so you leave your messages, and they're going to take their own sweet time you know, getting that information to their central files and getting your name off of their list. And it's going to take multiple efforts. It's going to take repeated calls to do this, right? It's not like they have this all electronically worked out and it's this beautiful system. They think they do, but they don't. Their computer systems are just a disastrous mess. So I'm sorry that that's not good news or there's no real fast and immediate way of doing it, but that is uh, some organizational information for you on how things work behind the scenes and maybe that'll help you. Jeffrey B., artist for Echo. I do have another question for you about Scientology and modern medicine. After reading your book section on the purification rundown and watching the video about it, I've gotten a little confused. I guess I'm just trying to better understand the medical beliefs of Scientology. I know that you said that Scientologists are allowed to use modern medicine, but you've also talked about the purification rundown and Scientology assists being preferred, and that some members are personally anti-vaxxers. So I got a little confused about where Scientology draws the line. At what point do they consider a medical procedure or a medication something bad that has to be avoided instead of helpful medicine? 
Okay, well, one of the reasons why you see not me hemming and hawing, but not giving definitive answers on this question is because there is no definitive policy on this in Scientology. So it's totally arbitrary, depending on who you're talking to and what the situation is. And that's just loosey-goosey Scientology, man. I'm, I wish it was more definite. I wish there was a line that, you know, okay, you cannot cross this line when it comes to medical procedures, but there isn't. You know, some, but the, that's why I tried to communicate the general attitude about it, which is that medicine, WOG medicine, right, non-Scientologists, uh, is not to really be fully trusted, is not, they don't really know everything that they're talking about, uh, despite the fact that doctors have gone to school and there's lots of studies and there's, you know, hundreds of, of years of work behind what, the, what modern medicine is really all about. They don't, the Scientologists think they don't really know what they're talking about and they don't trust them. So only to the degree that they have to go get medical attention will they do that, and they would prefer the, 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 the woo pseudoscience belief of Scientology is that because you're a spiritual being and you are capable of being at cause over your body, that through spiritual means you can be empowered to deal with whatever medical problems are going on in your body, whether that's leukemia, cancer, eyesight problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the purification rundown has given all kinds of credence in Scientology as well for ridding the body of toxins. And Scientology puts a lot of stock in what L. Ron Hubbard said about um, chemicals, drugs, drug residues, um, toxic materials being lodged in the fatty tissues of the body, which is totally bullshit and completely debunked. I mean, there is, it, there is no medical foundation for believing that uh, LSD is stored as crystalline you know, structures in your fatty tissues. It's total nonsense. But don't try to tell a Scientologist that because L. Ron Hubbard said, and L. Ron Hubbard knows best, so they're going to try to go detox themselves of, of chemicals and harmful you know, toxins and whatnot in their body. They'll go do that purification rundown or go sit in a sauna for you know, hours at a time. And they'll do that over and over and over again. And they would prefer to do that rather than go see a doctor and actually get some, some handling. Now, I say all this, but it's tempered by the individual Scientologist's attitude about things too. Because there are doctors who are Scientologists. And of course, they believe in medicine. So a doctor is going to go, you know, handle himself and his family with medicine uh, and encourage others to do so because he believes in it, right? Despite what L. Ron Hubbard might say. So you're going to get variations on this theme and variations in this attitude about medicine and how trustworthy it is, depending on which Scientologist you're talking to. That's why I can only communicate about this in a in a general broad sense rather than giving you specifics. Now, as far as um, I said earlier, you know, there's no definitive line, but I will say this. Um, Scientologists absolutely positively will not ever condone or endorse the use of psychotropics. Uh, you know, Xanax, Prozac, uh, you know, any of that stuff, anything, the whole litany of, of psycho, psychiatric medications are 1000% off limits in Scientology. They are not at all going to let you uh, get on any of those things or go see a psychiatrist or get psychiatric care or psychological attention. Scientology will tell you they're all you need when it comes to mental health, mental counseling or therapy or, or anything like that. 
So that is where they will draw, any Scientologist will draw a very solid line on that. So there you go. Gui Secretant. What is this gadget on the free winds in the OT8 course room? It looks like a companion to the e-meter. Do you know what it is and what it does? That is the Hubbard Drills Simulator. And it is a, it's an electronic device that was created or released rather in 1996 as part of the golden age of tech, David Miscavige's uh, large-scale revision of Scientology training. And you hook that thing up to an e-meter in a classroom setting in order to simulate reads or reactions on the e-meter electronically. So rather than hooking a person up to the e-meter and having a person holding the cans, you have a coach training a student in how to use the e-meter or how to do Scientology training or auditing procedures by pressing buttons on the simulator that make the needle do things, okay? Whether it's a fall or a rise or, you know, it gets a little dirty or does whatever it does. There's all, all these different needle reactions and there's a ton of them. You can see on the drill simulator, it's got all kinds of buttons and it creates different needle patterns as well as different specific needle responses. So that's what that drill simulator is. And it's, uh, you know, as far as a training aid goes, it's a pretty good training aid for uh, training people on how to use the e-meter. Now, if the e-meter worked, <laughs> then uh, it might have some value, but the whole thing is all just a bunch of crap anyway. And yes, I know, I need to get the e-meter video done. It, it'll come, I swear. Okay. And that sound tells us it is time for Flash Answers. Vixen Tram. Hi Chris, love your videos, keep up the good work. Here's a simple question regarding your Deconstructing Scientology series. Have any of the so-called scholars who contributed to the book Scientology ever challenged you or made any attempt at rebuttal? In the normal course of academic or general intellectual discourse, when a theory is attacked or challenged, its author will offer a vigorous rebuttal. You can see this process in the letters section of most serious magazines, for example. If the scholars whom you've taken to task in this series haven't bothered to respond to you, then that tells us that they're all merely shilling for Scientology as you said they were. No, I have not heard word one from any of the people that I critiqued in my Deconstructing Scientology series, nor do I ever expect to because without question they were shilling for Scientology. Sherry Sampson, I see the Millennium Falcon on your desktop. I noticed that Mark Bunker had a TARDIS phone cover. Do you watch Doctor Who? I watched seasons uh, one, two, and three and got into season four. That was, uh, so Chris Eccleston and, and David Tennant and uh, got into the blonde guy's name I can't remember right now. And then I stopped watching it because I kind of lost interest. I thought season one was actually the best, although I really, really, really love David Tennant as the doctor. So I will, I actually, yeah, I gotta, I gotta put him above Chris Eccleston as far as uh, who I liked best. But uh, so I consider myself knowledgeable about Doctor Who and a, and a semi Doctor Who fan, but I'm not a Doctor Who cult member. <laughs> and I only say that jokingly, a total joke. VSGL. In the video for We Stand Tall, David Miscavige is wearing a rather unique shirt. Does his shirt have any Scientology meaning or was it just bad 90s fashion? No, it was totally just bad 90s fashion. David Miscavige considers himself a, a trendsetter and, and uh, you know, like fashion guy in the world of Scientology. And 
Uh, and he's always got to be the bad guy, you know, badass guy and the guy who's better than everybody else. So he comes in wearing this, you know, fancy ass shirt and everybody else has, you know, cardigans and <laughs> sweaters and sweater vests and things like this on. So uh, he's just one-upping everybody because that's Miscavige. Okay, everybody, so that is our show for this week. I am really looking forward to the live show next week, and I hope you guys are too and that you will join me for that. Uh, you know, otherwise it'll be kind of a bust and we'll move on to show 101. <laughs> but I will definitely be continuing this series. Um, I, I really never thought I would get to 100 episodes, but here we are and the channel keeps going and uh, you guys keep asking me questions and I'll just keep answering them because I really love you guys, uh, you know, as my audience members. And uh, hey, by the way, Speaking of that, I got to put a plug in for my Patreon campaign. So if you guys uh, like my channel, like what I'm doing, please do consider, you know, some throwing some love my way, either through the PayPal donation or, um, you know, by joining me as a Patreon member on uh, patreon.com slash Chris Shelton. The link is below. All right, guys, I will see you next week. Bye-bye.